0: Honestly, I'm so excited. I want to get straight to turning, turning it over to Kevin and Cindy, and I'm, I'm somewhat torn um, because I want to give them this long, wonderful introduction, but I just want to be short and succinct and get them up here. And so let me let me say this: um, when when I know somebody, but yet you know the church hasn't yet met them, the best thing I can do is just is just rave for weeks about how. Uh, much they mean to me and the difference they've made in my life. And I feel like I've done that over the last handful of weeks. Um, Kevin is an awesome leader. And he could sit there and tell me today, he's like, Mark, you know, you really shouldn't wear red uh, plaid shirts. And I promise you, I would take it off and ask and, and trust him to explain it to me later. Just because I trust him, he, there's so much wisdom. He loves Jesus, he has this amazing combination of strength and kindness. And Cindy is just I, I just honor you. You're so awesome. You you love Jesus so much, and it's so apparent in everything you do and every touch you give. And the Lord has really given them amazing gifts. That they are so generous with in using it to strengthen the body. Gifts are given to the church so that so that the saints, so that you guys can be equipped for the work of the ministry, and they're such fantastic equippers. So um, they, they lead Turning Point Church uh, Out in Norco, California In the Riverside Ontario Inland ump- uh, Empire Not umpire The Inland Empire is a different guy But the Inland Empire is a place Where their church is located So um, love you guys I don't know if 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 just Kevin's coming up Or if both of you guys are coming up But uh, guys can we welcome Kevin Booth Everybody
1: Okay, I think I got this thing on right. Do I have it on right? Want to hear me? Cindy, why don't you just wave to everybody. This is my wife, Cindy. Thirty, five, 35 years, 35 years. And uh, Cindy and I met and married uh, in about six months. And uh, it was just uh, love at first sight for me. And uh <laughs> and uh, and only three of those months were around each other because the other three months uh, we were apart uh, trying to earn money to to get married. So really, we were only around each other for about the, the about three months. But um, it's been a match made in heaven. We have three kids and uh, twins, a boy and a girl, and we have another daughter then uh, right after that. So we had three really close together. They're all married now, and uh, just. Coincidentally, they all live in, in our area, they all happen to go to our church, and we have marvelous grandkids, and we have another one on the way, and uh, so we get to see all of our grandkids at the church. We feel like we are just doubly, triply blessed, and, uh, and, and so happy to have the, 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 the Lord shining down like He is on our lives right now, and uh, not without struggles and trials from time to time like everybody has. But uh, a lot of blessing. God's faithful. Um, I want to bring greetings to you from uh, from the Turning Point Church. Is there a little handle here? Yeah, from the Turning Point Church. Um, we started the church, Cindy and I started the church in our in our uh, living room with fourteen people, and that was uh, seems like eons ago twenty twenty five years ago. Yeah, twenty four, twenty five years ago. And uh, then, through a long, circuitous series of events, um, about eight years ago, we got given to us an eight-acre facility, and it was all mortgage-free, completely bought and paid for. And they handed it over to us. It had a gymnasium on it, had a had a church building on it, it had a, a multi-purpose uh, educational building as well, and uh, with acres, about four acres that are just free to 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 build on and to expand. And so uh, we, we got right in there and started to work. It was basically starting the church all over again uh, because of the distance that we were from the, where we were meeting and where this new church was. We lost a lot of people, and um, so we started over with I don't know. We got, I think it got down to under a hundred people that's on certain Sundays there for a while, and so we've been growing back now, and, and now things are just going really wonderful. We, we inherited a school that had a little preschool, and I think it had a kindergarten, a partial kindergarten class. I think they had 26 students or something like that. And the last time we checked, Cindy, we have over 400, or 450 kids now in our school, and we go all the way up to eighth grade. Yeah, give the Lord praise for that. That's, that's, that's Jesus. So um, we're just so blessed by that and, and, and just so overwhelmed by God's goodness. But I share that story with you because it can happen to you. It can happen to you. Yeah. I, I, we we sat in that same place that you're sitting right now, listening to stories like I'm telling you, and I used to sit there saying, it'll never happen to us. It'll <laughs> never happen to us. We will never... We are uh, vagabonds going to all these different buildings, meeting in shopping centers and schools and every place else, and none of them wanted us, and we always felt like, you know, the like the, the, the wicked stepchild. And... Uh, uh, you know, and somebody would tell a story like that, and I said, "Oh, that'll never happen to us. We don't have any down payment. We don't have any money. We don't have any seed money. It costs millions around here. There's whole little land available." And lo and behold, God did it, and uh, it's just an absolute amazing story. So, just put that seed out there. God can do amazing things in that regard, and uh, I believe that God's future for you guys is an amazing one. And uh, just being around you guys a little bit that we've been around, Cindy and I, we have the pleasure of traveling a lot of places, you know, I wouldn't say we travel all around the world, but we've gone to a lot of different places, Japan, uh, all over Europe, South Africa, uh, South America, all over South America, um, a lot of different places, and... Uh, We get to see a lot of different churches, and so we get to you know, see a lot of different things. It's it's kind of a blessing for our church because we get to bring back a lot of ideas and a lot of things we see on the road. We steal from other people, and we bring it into our church, and uh, it's a blessing for for our place. But it's also a good thing because we're able to give feedback to people like your uh, pastor couple and your leadership team and give them kind of feedback as to... You know, different ideas and so forth and implementing those things possibly in your church as time goes on and as, it, as, it, uh, as the Lord sees fit. And let me just tell you something. This church is a special church. You guys are not just the normal run-of-the-mill church, whatever that is. You guys are a church that is that is, has got a unique spirit. You guys are incredibly loving and welcoming. Um, you do church really, really well. I mean, it's obvious um, and you guys have an incredible leadership team. Um, we used to work with a, a guy that was in the ministry for a lot of years, much older than us. He passed away now. He used to stand up, and when he spoke, he used to say, you know, you can really tell a restaurant not by, you know, sitting down and ordering at the at the table, but by walking back into the kitchen. That's, yeah, you can really tell, you know, what kind of restaurant it is. And I'll tell you, we've been able to walk in the kitchen of this church. We've been able to mingle with your, with your leaders and, and be able to get to know them a little bit better and rub shoulders with them. And they're great people. They really are. They love the Lord. Yes. And we haven't met one leader in this church that we haven't just absolutely thought, you know, if, if they were in our area going to our church, we'd have them on our, our own leadership. And so um, you, you guys are just really blessed that way. And this couple that you have before you that leads this church, they are absolutely sold out to you guys to serving Jesus and to the destiny that God has for you. Their greatest desire is to see you succeed, and they want to hold the ladder for you, and they see you climb to the top of it. And and when we, when they share dreams with us and different things that they're, they're thinking about, it's all about you guys. It's all about the things that they want to see this church accomplish and where they want to see this church go. And they've sacrificed many things over many years in order to get to, to the place where they're at now today. And uh, they're just an incredible couple, and you're really blessed to have them. Not every church has a couple like this, and you guys are really blessed to have them. So I wasn't paid to say that commercial, so <laughs> that's that's just that's just coming from my heart. So um, yeah. So anyways, I want to talk to you this morning about the supernatural. Okay? So um, there's a lot of things about the supernatural that 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 you know Christians have legitimate questions about. Like Christians ask the question today, why is it that we don't see the same kind of signs and wonders that we used to see like in the Bible in, in biblical times? I mean, you know, you read the Bible and you see so many different, you know, outstanding, you know, incredible, you know, off the chart kind of things. And why don't we see those kind of things happening today? Well, the, the answer to that question is multifaceted and it gets into a lot of different elements. So I don't know that I can fully answer that question today. But I'm going to kind of answer it in the message that I bring to you this morning. I want to talk to you about the supernatural and how we can get the supernatural working more in our own lives and see it happen with us personally, see God working in our own lives supernaturally, but also see us see God working through us and using us to bring the supernatural into other people's lives. And so those, the, both those facets are, are really key for any Christian. Now, when you look at the story of Jesus, right? Jesus was was raised, and for 30 years, we don't know a whole lot about how he, how he lived. We know about his birth. There's, a, there's details about that. We see one little snapshot, little glimpse in, the, in, the, in his growth and development at about 12 years old. And, and most of you know the story, and he's at the temple, and you know, he, he's there for a couple days. Can you imagine losing your kid for a couple days, 12 years old? And and finding him at the temple, you know you know parsing have uh, deep theological issues with the with the leaders of the church of that day, I mean it, it was an amazing thing, and then his his answer is so incredulous, you know well, where did you think I'd be? you know I'm at my father's house, you know like duh, you know so anyways, i mean G- Jesus must have been quite a character to raise in a house. can you imagine and um, so we see that little stashed out of twelve, and then we don't see much, we don't hear much or know much until thirty years old. So all that time he's grown. the Bible says uh, concerning all the time the Bible says he grew and developed in every way as a man did. So we knew that he we know that he went through all the same temptations and trials and struggles and things that we, we we go through in our growth and development, except that he came through them you know with shining shining colors and and never sinned and and was blameless and sinless and all those good things. So then at thirty then you know we see him in in in. All of a sudden, things start changing, right? Um, of course, by, by the way, prior to that, it's an interesting little note. You know, he, he picked uh, 12 disciples to work with him. And those were guys like Peter and, and different ones and so forth. And most scholars agree today. Some of the studying I was doing um, a couple weeks back, I was reading this. I thought it was very fascinating. They said that because of the colloquial nature of of, of the area that Jesus lived in and so forth, and the, you know, ag- agrarian society that they had and so forth, and just, you know, the, they, we weren't dealing with millions of people, we were dealing with smaller numbers of people, that it's very likely, in fact, it's highly probable that Jesus knew Peter for for years, you know, within the town and so forth. May have known him closely, but for sure knew of Peter, you know, as one of the fishermen, you know, down at down the docks kind of a thing and it it's highly likely that he knew of Matthew you know one of the tax collectors and you know and 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 would have known about him and, and known of him and so forth you know the, the and and so it's interesting that these disciples we we kind of get the impression he kind of just walked out and just willy nilly hey you 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 know and picked out uh you know some guys that just kind of randomly but actually you we 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 come to find out that there was actually you a, a relational basis that was there before he picked and selected those men, which I, I find fascinating. Because that's the way God does things. He does things through relationship. And we we like to say that almost all ministry flows out of relationship. And so we are really heavy relational creatures because we believe that's the way the Lord is. And that's the way he set up his family. The, really, the best comparison for a church is not a business. The best comparison for a church is more like a family, you know. And so, when, when you want to make comparisons like that, it's really it's really best to understand up in that context and look at the Jesus, at the at the Word of God, and how the Word of God describes the church, and that's how He describes the church as a as a family, as a as an or a living organism. You know, it's not an organization, dry and stuffy, but it's a living organism, right? And we're loving each other and getting to know one another and so forth. The church isn't this building; it isn't these walls. The church is you and I. So we could lose all this tomorrow, and we still have the church, because the church is not all this. The church is us. The word is ekklesia, and it means a gathering of believers. And so it's, that's really what the church is. When you see the, the, the word church in, in the New Testament, it's, it's that Greek word, ekklesia. And what it's really saying is a gathering of believers. It's not, it's not a church building. So, you know, we've got to get those kind of old models out of our brain and kind of insert the new models in so that we can understand the Bible for, for the way it really is. So he comes to this wedding, and he finds himself at a, at a, at a, at a wedding, as, you know, any 30 year old might find himself. And, uh, you know, they're going through the festivities of the wedding and so forth. And and uh, they run out of wine, you know. And this is a major problem, you know. You don't run out of wine at a wedding. And uh, somehow Mary got involved in the whole thing. And, and his, this is Mary, his mother. There's a lot of Marys. So You've got to make sure you differentiate, you know. So this is Mary, his mother. And Mary, you know, comes over to him and says, look, you know, we're out of wine. In fact, let me just read it to you. Um, I don't know if we've got it to, to put up on, on the screen, but John chapter 2, I'm reading from the NIV, verses 1 through 11. On the third day of, of, of the wedding that, that took place at Cana in Galilee, Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and His disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to Him, They have no more wine. Then He has an interesting response. Woman, They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants had, who had drawn, had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice for wine first. Then the cheaper wine when everybody's drunk. I unsorted that part. Uh, and, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you've saved the best until now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. So, this was one of many signs that began happening after this. And there's a lot to unpackage there, and I'm I'm just going to take a snippet of each of the little things there. But here he is at this wedding, and and eventually there's going to be about 35 miracles that we see recorded in the four Gospels, okay? About 35. And and we know that from the scriptures that I'm going to share with you, there are many more than that, okay? And in one place it says here in John chapter 20, verse 30 through 31, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in the book, in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Then John chapter 21, verse 25, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not be able to have room for the books that would be written. So there were a lot of things that Jesus did, a lot of miracles that he performed, and we just have a snippet, 35 that are recorded that we can look at and kind of see and so forth, and we'd like to believe that they're kind of representative of the overall kinds of miracles that he did, right? And so this is, and it's so interesting that the first miracle he performed was at a wedding, because really what it shows us is that His power was there to be used at a very normal level. It wasn't there for the big splashes and the lightning and thunder and the big laser show. It was there so to, to help people in their everyday lives. And then the miraculous power of God is here for us today to help us in our everyday lives. Right? It's not, it's not something that's ethereal or something that's out there and it's untouchable and somehow we have to, you know, get certain music playing. I mean, we may play music later on if we're ministering, so don't, you know, nothing wrong with that. But it's not like we have to get smokes going, you know, and laser show and all this light and so and then, you know, spray a certain way and then, you know, then all of a sudden here comes the Holy Spirit, you know. The Holy Spirit just comes out in very natural ways. You know, just a very normal, he says, look, there's some jars over there, there's some, fill them full of water. He didn't go hocus pocus pray over the jars after that. He filled them full of water and said, okay, dip some out of there. That was it. Fill them full of water and dip some out. That was it. No complicated, crazy, you know, gymnastic thing. You don't have to feel like you've got to be some Bible scholar to be effective in the kingdom of God. You don't have to feel like you've got to be, you know, walk with God for 55 years before God can finally start using you. You can get saved one week and you can start seeing the power of God move through you in another week. Seriously. And that's and that's demonstrated throughout the word of God as well. The Ethiopian eunuch was saved one day, water baptized and filled with the spirit all in one day. You know, we get people saved today and then we have to wait, you know, 13 years before they get water baptized and another 10 before they get filled with the Spirit. No, no, no. We don't have to do it like that at all. You can get all of that and God can give it all to you. He's the Lord who cares about the smallest details in your life. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He attends the funeral of a sparrow. He knows the small things and He's interested in every single one of them. Are you there? that's the God that we serve that's the Lord Jesus that's up there in heaven not some big ogre up there with, a, with 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 some kind of stick waiting for us to make a mistake or waiting for us to blow it or when we do we have to go through all these different gyrations and all these different things that have to be done and so forth it's somehow like as though we're somehow paying for our sin as though by any amount of things that we could do we would somehow make up for the sin that we just we, we just created none of those things are necessary because the power of the blood of jesus is so effective we don't need to do any of those things he already did it on the cross and what were his words it is finished you don't need to do anything else i've done it all all you need to do is appropriate what i've already done except what i've already done in your life and that will pay for all the sins and all the difficulties and all the things that you're facing are you there God's God's a powerful God, but He's also an everyday God as well. And He's there and He wants us to realize that He's there for us on an everyday basis. What's the prerequisite of a miracle? An impossible situation. That's all that's all that's required. If you want to see a miracle take place, you need an impossible situation. So you say, well, why don't we see more miracles take place? Well, because a lot of people today maneuver themselves out of impossible situations. They say, well, how's that? Well, they didn't have credit cards back then. They didn't have credit like we have it today. To where your refrigerator breaks down, you can go out and buy a new refrigerator. Just pull out the God of MasterCard, the God of Visa, the God of Macy's, the God of Sears, and you can knock that thing out. Get it done. Even if you don't personally have the money right now, you can go ahead and get it done. So that's unique. Like in human history, that's a unique thing. That was not the way it was back then. Okay, Something broke down back then, it, it was broke until it was fixed. It was broke until you traded a donkey or a mule or something for services to get it fixed or for a new one to come in or, or whatever the case may be. You know, I, I tell Christians today, give God a chance. Rather than just, you know, when something breaks down, just fix it or replace it, give God a minute. Create some time. You know, if your refrigerator breaks down, I know it's a hassle. Go out in the garage and get your big ice chest or go buy an ice chest for 50, 100 bucks and put it in, in, your, in, your, in your kitchen Go down to the local liquor store and get a bunch of bags of ice, cheaply. Put the stuff in the refrigerator into your ice, in, into your, um, ice chest and pour the ice over it. You've saved it all now. Nothing's going to go to waste. Live out of the ice chest for a couple days while you're with your kids, while they see you doing this, and you're praying with them on a daily basis to get your refrigerator either fixed or replaced. We've lived this. We've done this ourselves. Refrigerator went down, did that exact same thing, God came, God came through in a powerful way. The guy came out to fix it. He, when, he, when he came out to fix it, he actually pre- declared it. He actually crossed a couple of wires and, and burned the thing out. Actually blew it up himself. He, he gave the death blow, which we thought at the time was horrible. We thought, oh, you could have fixed Oh, man, now we've got to buy a whole brand new one because you just blew it. He goes, actually, now that it's dead, the way your thing is written, we can give you a new one. I said, "You're kidding me." He goes, "No." I said, "What do you mean, like a new one, like like a little cheap one, like a little, you know, like the low, you know?" He said, "No, no, 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 no. And it's a replace. It's replacement. So yours, you know, have the door and the inner door and the refrigerator and the so, you the same size, same kind. You go fix one like that. It's going to replace the same thing, but you're going to be all brand new." I said, "Okay, what's the deductible?" One. There's no deductible. There's nothing could not believe it all because we decided to just wait we would have pulled a credit card out we could have fixed the problem and we would have had the debt associated with it but we decided just give god a chance you know we might end up paying using the credit card anyways to be honest with you we might would have i don't know but we gave god a chance and the miracle came through
2: what oh sorry 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 (laughs) Okay, sorry. Testimonies build our faith. Good yep. morning everybody. Yep. So it was three days before Christmas. And I had the whole Booth family come into yep. my house. Okay, yep. so girls, are you with me with this? And Kevin comes in, he goes, we're getting the ice chest out, and we're gonna wait on the Lord. <laughs> and I'm like, how long are we gonna wait on the Lord?
0: <laughs>
2: I've got a, I've got a turkey that's defrosting. I've got, you know, things happening here. And so uh, this guy comes, like Kevin said, he burned it up the fridge, and he says, no, we'll replace it all together with a brand-new fridge. And I thought, praise God. But you know what? God has a way of doing above and beyond what we ask or think. Yeah. And here it is, 48 hours now before Christmas, and they give us, what was it, $4,000 credit yes. to go down to Sears and get a new fridge. So I thought, this is going to be the state-of-the-art fridge. It's going to talk to me. It's going to tell me what my diet is and, and everything. It's at $4,000, I mean, that's a lot of money. Come on, people. If it yeah. was you, you'd be excited about yeah. it. So I'm going down there, and I'm telling Kevin, now, don't let them say no when, if they can't deliver it before Christmas. Tell them no matter what, they've got to deliver it and get it plugged in and all that stuff. And I'm not even thinking above and beyond. We walk in, and they go, you know what? We have the exact fridge you're describing, but it's got a dent in it. And because it's got a dent in it, if you'll take that one with the dent, we'll throw in. Are you with me? They threw in the whole kitchen package. We got a new stove and oven, a new microwave, and a new fridge all installed 24 hours before Christmas. And you know how much it cost Cindy and Kevin Booth? Nothing. (laughs) Nothing.
0: Nothing.
2: Yeah. Wow.
1: There's a lesson for you in ministry. Let your wife come up and fix the story, because <laughs> it's a lot better story that way. <laughs> that's awesome, man! What a great story! Who were those people? <laughs> Miracles happen every day, and I think I think a lot of times that's another thing is we just miss it. I think we just miss a lot. I I, I think there's things that happen and we just we either don't see it for what it is, or we just take it for granted that it happened. So it doesn't get any press. And because it doesn't get any press, we then think that it isn't happening, when in fact it actually is happening. Yeah. Miracles are taking place all over the place. Yeah. We, just, we just aren't recognizing them and aren't bringing them out and you know, giving them acknowledgement and so forth. And that's really a shame because the devil's bringing all the press to all the stuff he's doing. Anytime he does something and something bad happens, boy, everyone hears about that. So we need to start giving more press to the good things. We need to get back to having some testimonial times. People stand up and and giving testimonies to all the great things that God's doing in their lives and encourage people of of the greatness of God and the fact that God is alive and He is moving in our lives. And He cares about what what goes on and so forth. So, you know, they they did this the, the research project where they got a couple guys with basketballs, really good basketball handlers. Actually, three guys. And they had uh, three different basketballs, and they had them do this thing. This thing where they pass around their back and to each other, and across, and back and forward. And it's an amazing thing. You can actually, I think it's still on YouTube. It was a couple of years ago, but I think it's still up. You can go on YouTube and watch them do it. And then in the middle of that, then they do it for one minute. And in the middle of that, then they have a person come through in a gorilla suit, and they come through with for ten seconds. They're in. They're in the frame. And I forgot what the person does in the gorilla suit. They do something. Beat their chest. Yeah, they did something. Yeah, they, they didn't just stand there. They, but the gorilla beats the chest, does something for 10 seconds, and then walks back out while they're doing the basketball passing. And what they tell the people that are involved in the, in the, in the, in the, in the exercise is, okay, we're going to sh- have these balls passing around. Now, I want you to count how many passes of the balls that there are to see if you can, re- you can remember and s- count how many times the ball gets passed to each person. So the person's watching is, you know, really trying to focus in on the balls and see how many times they get passed and so forth. Do you realize that in that that in that study that they did, the person was in there for nine seconds, excuse me, of a one-minute video, okay? And the gorilla came, walked through, beat its chest, and walked out. They were instructed to count the the the, the time the thing Oh and they said amazingly, only half of the people saw the gorilla, only half. Big black gorilla coming in the middle of all these basketballs going around, standing there for 10 seconds, beating his chest, only half the people remember seeing a gorilla. I think we miss a lot. I think we miss a lot of the power of God, and a lot of the supernatural, a lot of the spectacular. That's a spectacular thing. And yet it didn't register on people's radar. And I think it doesn't register on people's radar because we just sometimes we're not looking for it, other times we just don't see it, whatever the case may be. But we need to get it a lot more... Intentional about our looking for the supernatural and the things that God is doing. It makes me wonder how many miracles we're unaware of. Think of the, just the things that happen every day, the complexity of a snowflake, a sleeping baby, a star-filled sky, a room filled with laughter, just the, the, the wonderment of life itself. There's always the health of our, you know, we, we take it for granted that, that no one's been sick in our family for the last, you know, five six seven eight ten fifteen years. You know, no one's gotten cancer. No one's, you know, come out, they need to, you know, there's people around us that are struggling with all kinds of things. And, and yet, our you know, I'm not talking about my family, I'm talking about a, a, a particular family. You know, as is going through a season of just incredible health, we take those things for granted. Look at just the miracle of, of what God's doing in, in, in just you know the universe and just the you know the, the things that He's got balancing. The Word of God says that He holds the galaxies in His hands, the Earth spinning at a speed of a thousand miles an hour, every in in in, 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 in spinning at, at that speed at, at that fast rate as it's going through the sky at sixty-seven thousand miles an hour. Faster than a speeding bullet. 87 times 87 times faster than the speed of sound. And to top it off, the earth is inside a, a galaxy called the Milky Way that's traveling at 483,000 miles an hour. So, I mean, look at all the complexity of all the things that God's holding in place. The earth is in the Goldilocks zone. Any closer to the sun, we'd be burned up. Any further away, we'd be frozen. I mean, God's got us right in the palm of His hand. Right in the most beautiful place. And most of us, even as I'm talking now, you're like, yeah, okay, well, yeah. I saw that on Discovery Channel yesterday. I mean, you're not telling me anything new here. you know? We just ho-hum because we just get so used to the faithfulness of God. We get so used to the blessings of the Lord. We get so used to the goodness of God. You're sitting next to a miracle right now. The person you're sitting next to is a miracle. A miracle of God. Trillions of chemical reactions are taking place as people inhale oxygen, digesting foods, circulating their blood, managing their equilibrium, creating hormones, fighting off antigens, purifying the toxins in their bodies. Their brain performs 10 quadrillion calculations per second using 10 watts, only 10 watts of power. A computer would need a gigawatt of nuclear power to pull off the same performance. Our genetic code, the length of our genetic code is the length of 4,000 Bibles. If you were to read aloud your own personal genome sequence, it would take you a hundred years to read off the complexity of your own uh, human genome sequence. Psalm 139, 13 through 14 says, You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And yet, I don't know where your political disposition is on things like abortion. It really doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter where you land on that spectrum. Four thousand eight hundred babies died today, and we've got people lined up that can't get a, can't get a child can't adopt a child can't, can't find a child to be adopted, can't have children of their own, want to have a full family, want to have three, four or five kids can't have them and we've got this thing going on in America today. It, it just breaks my heart and I believe it breaks the heart of God. I really do, regardless of where your your political perspective is, I think we can all agree. On those things. Even if you agree with abortion and think that it's okay in certain conditions and so forth, you still must think that it's tragic that it has to happen, even when it does happen for what you may believe are the right reasons. Okay? So we can all agree on that, right? No one wants to see a a young baby uh, die for any reason. So we can all agree on that. And so at at least we can all, you know, share the same cause at that moment. But back to Jesus' first miracle. Today we walk around, you know, looking at different things and, and, and missing a lot, you know, and not, not realizing all the different complexity, and all the different things that are happening all around us and all the miracles that are taking place and all the wonderful things that are happening. And Jesus, just in the easiness and the simplicity of his life, just said, go fetch a little water, fill those things with water, and just, you know, waved, spoke over it and said, just take a little bit of the water out. And then as he did, all that took place, and here he goes, and, and, and he's got the best wine that they've ever tasted. Wine is one of the most complex, I've been told, one of the most complex drinks that we consume. There's, a, there's about a, over a hundred chemical reactions that have to happen, and they have to happen in the right sequence. And they have to happen under the right temperature and atmospheric conditions. And they have to happen just so in order for the chemicals and the juices and the sugars and everything to just balance out the proper way that they need to. When you have a glass of fine wine, it is a, it is a chemical process that is an unbelievable masterpiece that's been put together, and it's been put together with a lot of love and care. And this wine, this person who runs weddings for them, the person that was in charge of this, who's drank presumably a lot of wine and tasted a lot of it, has said, "This is the best wine, the best." And he made it just by pouring some water in a bunch in a bunch of containers, what would have been equivalent to a bunch of five, you know, ten-gallon, you know, pe- uh, clean paint containers in our day and age. And God just puts that together and, be, and is able to transform it into the miraculous thing that it is. He can do the same thing with you and I. He takes the normal person that we are, the normal everyday run-of-the-mill person that, that, that we are, whatever that is. I don't believe there is a run-of-the-mill person. Every one of us are a snowflake. Every one of us are unique. Every one of us are a precious uh, creation in God's sight. But He takes any one of us of the 7, 8 billion people on this planet and He makes us into the beautiful, wonderful, creative, unique thing that we are and then he says my church is a composition of all of those things together as every joint supplies and I need every single one of you and none of you are more important than the other one is I need a a toe I need a toenail I I need a nose I need an ear I need all those different things to create the body of Christ which I then present to this world as being my bride this is the bride of Christ this is what he's coming back for someday without spot or without blemish is this the church this is the reason that the stars in the universe were made this is the reason why humanity is on this earth today is because of the church jesus wanted a bride and we are going to be that we are the bride now and we're going to be joined with him in heaven heavenly matrimony for eternity when we get up to there when we get up to heaven and it's a wonderful amazing incredibly complex thing in one, on one level and yet incredibly simple on the, other, on the other hand. We can never forget the sovereignty of God. We, no matter where we go, no matter what we get into, we can never forget the sovereignty of God. For Abraham Kuyper, a Dutch theologian, said, there is not one square inch of the whole domain of human existence over which Jesus Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, Mine. Every nuclear atom that there is in the universe is under the control of God the Father. Every single one. And every single one speaks and gives an accountability to Him for their operations. God is in control of all of it, down to the last cork, the last little tiny element that we can find to this day. We used to think when I was a kid that the atom was the smallest thing. Now they've broken the atom apart and they found that it's full of other things called quarks and all these other little things that they've made up and so forth. They've, so something smaller than the atom. I mean, where are we going with this? We, 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 we're going to break the quark down now? Is the quark going to be broken into like 16 different things? It's just unbelievable, the complexity of life. And this all didn't get here by happenstance. We were all, the Bible says, fearfully and wonderfully made. And we were made in the image of our, of our God, of our, of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Are you there? Somewhere we've got to get recalibrated as to what a miracle is, and when we see a miracle, to give it its due. And I think by doing that, we'll answer the question that I proposed at the beginning, which is, where are all the miracles? They're all sitting here. They're right in front of you. And together, collectively, we are one giant miracle. Are you there? This church didn't come together by happenstance. Let the pastor get up one Sunday and give you the story behind how this church is in existence today. The ups and the downs, the highs and the lows, the moments where it hung in the balance of just one person's decision and the decision was made the right way. It's just mind-boggling. It really is. Those of you who have businesses know a little bit, understand a, a, a little bit just from a business standpoint. Just to get a business up and off the ground, it, it, there's a lot of complexity and a lot of things that have to flow perfectly and have to flow just right. Well, churches are even d- d- to another order of magnitude. We don't sell a product. You know, we're not a business. You know? We, we don't have something. I, I can't go make more of something and, and, and bring, bring more money in. You know? It's not like that. When you build the church, it's a complete, it's a non, it's a non profit organization. <laughs> it's a non, there's no, there's no money. It's just, it's just, there's, there's no profit. You know, you just, can we get a dollar? I mean, can, you know, can someone just be, you know, love us enough to give us a penny? I mean, Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 and 17 says, For in him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, powers, rulers, or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things are held together. God is the glue of creation. Think about it. It's an incredible proposition that we've got to wrap our minds around and get our heads around somehow. Because when we do, we start to see the glory and the greatness of God. So there's three things, three things I want to to leave you with. We're going to jump into a different mode here. Three things that we need to do to see the supernatural working in our own lives. Number one, we need to ask. It's that simple. Ask God to use you, or ask God to bring the the, the miracle in your life. Maybe you've got a physical ailment that you were born with. Maybe you've got a physical ailment that you've been dealt a deck of cards you've been dealt with. Whatever the case may be, ask the Lord to heal you. You don't need to travel around the country and travel 16,000 miles to have some person across the country have a big, you know, thing in a stadium. Do you walk forward and maybe you get touched by the? Those days are over. The days of the superstar having to lay hands on somebody are over. We are the superstars. The Holy Spirit dwells inside of each one of us, and and the, the the Christian that was saved yesterday. Has the, has the ability to tap into the same power as the person who has been saved for 35 years. I used to love to go to Cindy's class when she was teaching first and second grade. Anytime I was had a cold or sickness, I'd walk into that class and I'd have those little first and second graders come over and pray for me because those kids never had one doubt. Jeez, you know, one of, one of the requisites of praying effectively is, you know, don't have any doubt. You know, believe. You know, if you believe, you shall receive. You know, there's two more agrees touching anything. In my name, it shall be done. You know, just boom, it shall be done. So, you know, you, you walk into a first and second graders classroom and they believe that nonsense. They actually believe that nonsense. That stuff you've been, you know, reading, and just, you know, yeah, yeah, i read. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, throw that away. And read over and read over. you read it 10,000 times. I've heard that, you know. Yeah, whatever, you know. The reality is a whole lot different than that, you know. And so... That you walk in, there's no, there's, no, there's no Doubting Thomases. There's no skeptics in there. There's no Debbie Downers. You go in those classrooms and you have them lay hands on you, and I'm telling you, you get well.
2: Okay, it's time for another testimony. Okay. I, you probably won't remember this. so we've, We have know. seen so many miracles, and God wants to do miracles in this house. So I hope you're listening today. Because it doesn't take... I mean, we're not that smart. No. I mean, we don't have a lot going for us, no. but we've yes, got Jesus can tell. going for us. Right. So, but anyway, I was teaching junior high one time. Yep. It was years ago when we were younger, before we had kids ourselves. And um, I broke my arm. Uh, I uh, came back to work the next day. I had a, a cast from my fingertips up to here. Couldn't move at all. And so, you know, my sixth, seventh, and eighth graders said, Okay, Mrs. Booth, let's pray, and let's believe that God's going to heal your arm. And so they got done praying for me, and they said, okay, take the cast off. And I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. I was like, no, we just got that cast put on yesterday, and it hurts. It's broken. I saw the x-ray. It's broken. And so I came home and told Kevin, I said, you know what? God's name is at stake here. These kids actually believe what the Word of God says is going to happen. And so we didn't have a lot of money at the time, but we took it upon ourselves to pay for an x-ray by faith. That was our faith. But their faith is what prayed for me. And we went. you can guess where we went with this. We went back to the doctor. He thought we were nuts. They x-rayed through the cast, and it was healed. They took the cast off. I went back to work the next day. And uh, it was a little tender and sore, I'll be honest with you, but the break was gone, and God came through. So let kids pray for you.
1: She had fallen in an odd way, and she had broken it down this way, and they called it a spiral fracture, and it was a, and it was an odd break, and it was you could see it just very clearly on the X-ray before and after. It's an amazing thing. Ask, ask God, and if you'll just ask God, you'll see amazing things take place. Mary had the guts to walk over to Jesus and say, "We don't have any wine, you know." He said, "Woman, when when your son." addresses your his mother and the first word out of his mouth is woman. It's not good. It's not good. Okay? It's the equivalent of when the mother addresses the son and the first three words out of her mouth are his first middle and last name. When that happens, it's not good. Okay? So when he said back to her woman, you heard the frustration in his voice because he actually explains it. My time hasn't come. He's like, Like, I'm not supposed to leave. This is not... It's a wedding. It's not, my time has not... I told you. Ah. And, then she, and then she listens to him, right? And obeys everything he says, right? No. She looks at the servant and says, Do whatever he says. And she walks off. Stop. Stop. Didn't listen to one thing he said. Says, servants, go listen to him and do whatever he says to do. So there he is standing there and all the servants are looking at him. And she's walked off. And there's no wine. The stage is set for a miracle. Something's gotta happen. And it all happened because Mary asked. Had they just said, okay, well there's no, there's no, oh, alright. Hey everybody, there's no wine. Sorry. Sorry. You know, we're gonna maybe go out and try to get. I'm not sure. We'll look later on, but just to let you know, there's no wine. Okay, Sorry I ran out. They could have done that, and a lot of people would do that today. They would accept the deficit. They would accept the lack. They would accept the vacuum that had been created. And when the vacuum had been created for the purpose of glo- the glory of God to shine, when there was no food for the five thousand, it was a moment. And the Word of God says in some of the translations that Jesus knew the answer before He asked His disciples, where are we going to get the food? In some of the translations, that Jesus actually knew the answer, but He was asking them to have, make them think. 5,000. That was only counting men, by the way. There was many more than 5,000 that that fed. That was not counting the women and the children. So there were at least 10,000. Most people, they estimate 15,000 people were fed that day. With 12 baskets Filled up over, at the end with all the leftovers. Yeah. All because somebody said, we're not just gonna say, okay, everybody just go ahead and go, uh, you guys can go ahead and leave, we're not gonna do any more miracles today, or supernatural because there's no food. <laughs> right. So everybody just go ahead, go ahead and leave, we'll see you later, sorry. God bless you, goodbye. They could have done that, right? How many times has that kind of thing done in response to that kind of situation? Right. No, nope, they didn't do that. He said, does anybody have anything? Well, I, I got some fish and some bread. I mean, just I just got this little lunch thing here. Well, let's just take that. What do you got? Let's work with what you have. Elijah said to the widow, well, what do you have in your hand? She said, well, I have a little flour and a little bit of oil and I was going to make it into a little piece of bread and, and bake it and we were going to eat it. Me and my son were going to eat it and die. Felicia said, okay, give me that. We were going to eat it and die. Yeah, go ahead, give me that. The skeptic could say, I can't believe him. I can't believe the audacity, the insensitivity of that man to ask for that poor widow's last little bit of food. He can go get... Food anywhere he wants to. He doesn't need to get her food. Why is he asking him for her little last little bit of food? Uh, unbelievable. This is the problem with the church today. And on and on and on and on and on and on and on. Meanwhile, uh uh-uh. uh Because Elijah knew something that a lot of people don't know that when you give like that that last little bit, that exercise of faith, that demonstration of faith, is like tapping on the shoulder of God. And it gets God to turn around. You get the attention of the Almighty. The one time that I know of where Jesus said all the disciples stop. I want to show you something. Something's happening and I want all of you to see this. Was when a widow was going to give her last little bit of money in the offering. Just like the the widow was going to give her last little bit of flour. See, all three of these stories are the same. Last little bit they had. A little bit of fish, not enough. A little bit of flour, not enough. Last little widow's mite, not enough. He says, look, uh, look at this. Not what she's giving, he said, how she's giving. How? Because she's giving in faith. And I want you guys to witness that and see that. That, that what she's doing is powerful and it's mighty. And it, and it gets my attention. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is now focused on this because that has my attention. And when we ask, it is it is like tapping on the shoulder of God, and it turns God's attention to the situation at hand, and it gets His focus on the thing that we're focused on. We need to ask. Number two, turn it turn to into the Holy Spirit. Don't turn to the other things. Ask, but then turn to God. A lot of people a lot of people ask. You know, a lot of people will get past the first stage. They'll actually ask. I'm sweating now and this thing's bouncing up on me. I'm sorry. Um, where, where, yeah, Lord, please, I'm asking. Um, <laughs> uh, a lot of people will get past the first stage. They'll go ahead and ask. But then they won't turn to the Holy Spirit. They ask and then they start looking for other people to meet their need. Other human beings to meet their need. Rather than relying upon the Holy Spirit to do it. Now God now God may, that's where it gets complicated because God often works through people, yes. But you can't be looking for people as the focus. You've got to be looking for Jesus as the the Holy Spirit as the focus and let that happen however it's going to happen, okay? Turn to the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit be the one to actually come through and make Himself mighty and show Himself in in a powerful way. Number three, be ready to step out in faith. John 14.12 Whoever believes in Me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. Whoever believes in Me, not for 30 years, not who's gone to Bible school, not who has big television programs, not who runs things in stadiums and has 30,000 people show up at them, Whoever believes in Me will do greater things than Jesus. It's possible that you can do greater things than Jesus if you just believe in Him. Ask. Turn it over to the Holy Spirit and be ready to step out in faith. Be ready to step out. The priest obediently stepped into the water when they were carrying the Ark of the Covenant and bringing the people into the Promised Land. The Red Sea was there; it wasn't moving. And the Bible says, when the priest, when the feet of the priest touched the water, wasn't the shoreline? It's when they touched the water and put their feet in that water. Like, is there, like we're, we're going? We're gonna just walk into the water and die, or the water's gonna open up? They were walking into the water, and when their feet touched the water. That act of faith, God. I don't know how you're going to do it, but we're going to get across this body of water. That moved the power of God, and things happened. Things took place. Yeah. Naaman dipped uh, into the into the Jordan River seven times, dipped down seven times, a leper full of leprosy seven times. Every time getting up, uh, no. dipping down again. It wasn't gradual. It wasn't as he got up everything. Oh, it's a little bit better. Oh, it's 10% better. Oh, it's 30% better. Oh, it's 50% better. Oh, it's 75%. No. All six times, nothing happened. And the seventh time he dipped down and came back up. And the Bible says his skin was like the skin of a baby. Brand new. All because of a little girl, a little slave girl. Said, I know a man. Four friends lifted a man and pulled this roof apart. And Jesus said later, Your faith, the four guys, your faith has made him well. Yeah. He didn't have any faith. His faith wasn't the faith that did it. Your faith can reach out and touch somebody else's life. Yeah. Same thing with the Roman centurion servant. He wasn't even present. And, and the Roman centurion said, You, you just say the word. You just say the word and my servant who isn't even here, doesn't even know what we're doing, is going to receive the benefit of it. So we can stand in the gap for somebody else who doesn't even know we're doing it and see the power of God released. There's all kinds of examples like that. The boy that gave his little lunch I just mentioned, the servants who brought water that Jesus turned into wine, the people who moved the tombstones that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, Uh, on and on and on and on and on. We see examples of incredible uh, moments like that. The widow that brought the little flower, the the woman with the issue of blood who pressed through the crowd and touched the hem of his garment. And he says, who touched me? And they said, well, everyone's touching you. What a dumb question. They must have looked at each other like, I think he's losing it. Who touched me? He said, everyone's touching you. No, no, no. Who really touched me? It's like Prince's Bride mostly who's dead no who's mostly dead but when they touched that touched that hem of the garment and she did it by faith she had to press through all the onlookers she spent all of her money on medical the Bible says all the gave you all those details but she made it through and touched the hem of his garment and the power of God was released to her and she was made whole and made well once again what is it that you're facing today what is it? What are, what are the giants in your life? What are the Red Seas in your life? What are the issues of leprosy in your life? What are the moments of hunger when there's not enough food? What are the issues where, where you need some wine? Wait a second, that's not even necessity. Wine is just like gravy. Wine is just like extra. Wine isn't even like... I'm not even asking God for like necessity. You've got to ask for God's necessity, right? For Him to do a miracle? No. Because He loves us that much. Do you have to ask your Heavenly Father? For something that's a necessity for Him to respond? No. Because He loves to bless you. The Bible says, how much more does your heavenly Father know how to give better gifts than your earthly Father? That's right. He was holding no good thing from you. It's His will that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. He came to give you life and give Him more abundantly. In Deuteronomy chapter 17, He says, I put together before you life and death, blessing and the curse. Choose life that you might live. All that's there if we just allow the power of God to be released.